This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is brought to you by Swenson Real Estate, service before self. With over 30 years experience, they've seen it all. Contact Jeff and Lorena today at 406-253-0033. That's 406-253-0033. Swenson Real Estate, service before self. From right here in the beautiful Flathead Valley, I'm Micah Drew, and this is the Flathead Beacon Podcast for Wednesday, September 29th. At the end of each month, the Flathead Beacon runs a series of business pieces focusing on a different economic sector every month. For September, my colleague Flathead Beacon business reporter Maggie Dresser dove into the agricultural community in the Flathead Valley to examine how the sell-off of farmland to developers is impacting the rural economy as well as what the hot summer meant for crops in the area. Maggie joined the podcast for the first time to give a little extra insight on September's business monthly features. But before we get to that conversation, a reminder that this episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast is made possible in part by members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members support all of our journalism in all of its forms, in print, online, and here in the podcast studio, and they do so for as little as $5 per month. Members get some extra perks too, so if you want to find out more or join today, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com. Alright, let's say hello to this week's guest, my colleague Maggie Dresser, who I talked to on Tuesday afternoon. Maggie, it's your first time on the podcast. Thank you for coming up to the studio today. Thanks for having me. So Maggie, each month you are in charge of our business monthly feature, which focuses on a revolving economic sector in the Flathead Valley. This month we looked at agriculture. Tell me a little bit about the stories that you chose to focus on. Um, The main stories uh, called Selling the Farm. I focused on landowners selling their farms to developers. And then my second story was about the heat and drought this summer and how that impacted harvests. Well, let's focus on that first story. Obviously, selling and buying land is a hot commodity right now in the Flathead Valley. Uh, What did you start to hear from some of the people you talked to in terms of concerns over the shrinking farmland? Um, I mean, it's been going on for a while, but especially in the past year, um, developers are taking advantage of the market. Landowners are selling, so therefore there's less agriculture in the valley because of that. So I spoke with this farmer named Derek Kruger, um, and he was kind of the main voice in my story. Um, And he rents different parcels of land all over, mostly West Valley farm because he doesn't own his own land. And like he can't just buy land like it's too expensive. He would Mm -hmm. never pay it off with farming. Um, And his acreage shrinks about a thousand acres. He said, or no, a hundred acres a year. Um, But that's because his landlords are selling. So therefore he has less to farm. Um, And it's just been an ongoing pattern, especially in the last year as more residents move here um, and developers are taking advantage of these uh, home prices. Did he give any indication of at what point the amount of farmland he is able to rent becomes critical? Um, No, he didn't. Um, He's just going to keep farming until... He literally can't anymore because he loves it. Um, He is well aware he doesn't make a ton of money, but he has a passion for it. He grew up doing it. Um, And it's very emotional for him and a lot of farmers in the Valley. 
the other farmer you talked to, who's also a real estate agent on the side, what kind of insight did she give you on that balance between agricultural land and developers, which uh, have a little more lucrative uh, claim to the area? Um, I mean, she sees both sides. They all do. Like, none of the farmers are bashing on developers, like, or landowners. Like, they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, her land has been in her family for a long time, over a hundred years. Um, so her land isn't going anywhere like Derek's is, unless she decides to sell it. But um, yeah, I think the biggest thing, or the biggest takeaway from talking to everyone is all of the new residents, there's a lot more traffic, and mm-hmm. there's just less respect for the agriculture community in general. Well, this area does have a good, long history of agriculture, and you can see all the different fields when you're driving around the valley. What are some of the main crops in the area uh, that you can tell us about, and how were they impacted this year? I know we mentioned there was some drought and some pretty aggressive heat waves early on in the summer. What was that impact on, on our area? Yeah, so the commodity crops that are common in this area are wheat and canola, and those were the two crops um, that I touched on in my story. Um, and wheat did okay. Um, the canola did pretty bad. But since there was less supply, the prices were higher. Um, but they just don't do well in the heat, Um the flowers, it's called aborting. Mm-hmm. When it's too hot, they just can't handle temperatures higher than like 85 degrees. So there was just less of a supply. Also, smoke was an issue too because crops weren't drying. Mm-hmm. So it was too hot, too smoky. And then vegetable farmers actually did really well because they're all irrigated um, like on such a smaller scale. So the heat was actually good for them, but farmers just had to water a lot more. Is there any concern with our hot, dry, smoky summers being a a fairly regular occurrence that some of these commodity crops will no longer be as viable in the future? Um, yes and no. I mean, farmers are pretty, uh, they, they adapt, like Mm -hmm. everything's unpredictable in farming. Um, so some ways they are mitigating the heat and drought is using different varieties, switching up varieties that are more drought tolerant. Um, Also, no-till farming Mm. is becoming more of a thing um, because it just helps conserve moisture. And less fertilizer, too, also conserves moisture. Well, Maggie, you are also pretty plugged into the other business areas of the community as our beat reporter. What else is going on that uh, people might want to know about right now? Um, just in general, it seems like there's new businesses popping up left and right. Um, there's a new ramen place that I wrote about mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Um, that's been pretty popular, it sounds like. Bakeries, you name it, like, there's just a lot of new businesses popping up. And it's the same problem of workforce shortage. So, Yeah. Well, Maggie, we appreciate you keeping us up to date on everything that's happening in the business world. And thanks for coming up on the pod today. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. And before we get to this week's headlines, Dr. Mark Remington of Glacier Eye Clinic has a message from our sponsor this week. I've known Jeff for probably around 20 years. Very good friend of mine. He's helped me both personally and professionally in the real estate market. He is super ethical, super knowledgeable. He's prompt. He'll return your calls and he'll steer you in the right direction. As a friend, he's been service before self. 
Contact Swenson Real Estate at 406-253-0033 today. Thanks again to Maggie Dresser for joining the pod today. And to read the latest business news from around the Flathead Valley, be sure to pick up a copy of the Flathead Beacon on stands today. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m., Tuesday, September 28th. Up in Whitefish, the city's planning board recently voted in support of two separate proposals to build new hotels in the city, one on a prominent lot downtown and the other off U.S. Highway 93 south of the core business district. Both projects require conditional use permits and approval from the Whitefish City Council to move forward. The downtown project is proposed as a three-story, 40-suite boutique hotel on Central Avenue adjacent to the Craggy Range, while the second one is for an 85-room hotel on the west side of Highway 93. That proposal will go before the Whitefish City Council for a public hearing on October 4th, while the downtown project will be heard October 18th. Officials with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency announced that the federal agency is deleting another segment of the asbestos-contaminated Superfund site in Libby from the Federal National Priorities List, determining that all required cleanup activities along roadways and highways connecting the towns of Libby and Troy are complete. The now-shuttered W.R. Grace & Company vermiculite mine, once the lifeblood of Libby, exposed thousands of people to asbestos, leading to sickness and death in the community. The Whitefish Community Foundation announced that after wrapping up its 7th annual Great Fish Community Challenge, a preliminary total of $3.6 million was raised for 61 different local nonprofits. This number is nearly $1 million greater than last year's fundraiser. The Community Foundation will announce its final figures in October after matching grants have been totaled up. Also up in Whitefish, the Montana Department of Transportation is in the middle of finalizing its plan for the U.S. Highway 93 corridor heading into downtown Whitefish on Spokane Avenue and Baker Avenue to the west, which will likely end up adding an additional lane to each street. MDT's preferred option would split traffic between the two streets by providing three-lane roadways that will increase capacity. Spokane Avenue into town would have two northbound lanes and one southbound lane, while Baker Avenue will include two southbound and one northbound. The plan has drawn backlash from the Whitefish Steering Committee, which criticized it for lack of bicycle lanes and sidewalks. In Kalispell, members of the Imagine If Library Board of Trustees voted at their last two board meetings to lower the salaries of two open positions, one for the library director and one for the children's librarian, against the advice of the interim director and county HR staff. Both positions will be listed at an 11% lower salary than they were previously filled at, although attempts were made to drop the director's salary nearly 30%. And finally, a deadly Amtrak derailment near Joplin, Montana killed three people and left seven hospitalized as of Sunday, according to investigators from the National Transportation Safety Board. The westbound Empire Builder was en route from Chicago to Seattle when it left the tracks around 4 p.m. Saturday afternoon. The train was carrying about 140 passengers and 16 crew members. Eight of the 10 cars derailed, and investigations are still ongoing. That's all for this week. As I've mentioned the last two weeks, the fall issue of Flathead Magazine is about to hit newsstands. However, we found out a shortage of workers means the magazine is currently sitting in Missoula waiting to be shipped to the Flathead. Fingers crossed you'll see it on newsstands in the next few days. This episode of the Flathead Beacon podcast was hosted, edited, produced, and mixed by me, Micah Drew. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.